Hello and welcome to Too Rash, Too Unadvised, Opposition Salesman in Seven Surrenders. My name is Liam Nolan. And mine's Wero Kriuki. And today we're discussing Chapter 18. If you'd like to ask us any questions or be on the show, please feel free to reach out at Too Rash, Too Unadvised at gmail.com. Also, support us on Patreon, Too Rash, Too Unadvised also. You could figure that out your own. With many thanks to our Lord and our Savior, Seth. An eternal tyrant. Well, of course, kill. Let's get on with the show. So I have problems with this chapter. You have problems with this chapter. And we're uh, not going to get to them for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But those of you who have been reading along, I'm sure know what I'm what I'm going to be complaining about here. Uh, the trackers only... are dumb, and I don't oh. understand them. And <laughs> I, I can't believe that the book is springing this on me now. <laughs> <sighs> but anyway, we'll get back to that. Uh, okay. The other thing that happens is Jed gets shot in the face, um, mm-hmm. which left me deeply confused for most of this this reading, if I'm being honest. But hey, first, uh, the Kool Aid thing. Oh, what ha- what happened with Kool Aid? You happened. You. Oh, that's to... right. Yes. This never came up on the show. So, um, a while back, we had a conversation. Uh, chapter four about uh, the Holy Trinity and. After that panned out, let me, in fact, I'm going to pull up exactly what I was told. So, after that... In the concept of Holy Trinity, an uh, attempt was made to use the analogy of um, the Holy Trinity is 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 like the Kool-Aid man, who is both ice, wa- uh, ice, Kool-Aid, and glass. And simultaneously, all three, they're simply different parts of the Kool-Aid man. This is, of course, partialism. Yeah. A heresy um, on, in Nicene Christianity. Um, and naturally, I want to know who was It right. does have the... So, okay, let me not talk about the opinions of the Trinity then. <laughs> I am... I, I generally would be very willing to get into the Holy Trinity again, but I've seen how long this chapter is, and I think yes. we're going to be... We're going to yeah. be here a while. I do yeah. think the Kool-Aid thing is a worthwhile story. So after that episode released, those of you who follow the the channel about this podcast, I'm allowed to be on. Um, those of you who don't are welcome to, but I still don't totally believe you exist. I called, uh, Kraft, who it turns out is the parent company, and they have a customer questions line. So I, I got in touch with them. It took two days. They kept me on hold for honest to God, half an hour before I could talk to an appropriate representative. And (laughs) can you imagine the, what they would have? What, what they did behind that, like try, who they were trying to figure out. To, to oh, this wasn't to. even... I hadn't even asked the question. The craft oh, okay. company is just terrible at customer service. They <laughs> did not want to put me in touch with someone who I could ask questions about. Uh, according to the representative, I explained the problem, and I asked, what is the Kool-Aid man, right? Like, mm-hmm. what is he composed of, metaphysically mm-hmm. speaking? Mm-hmm. They put me on hold for about 20 more minutes. <laughs> I assume trying to find that in the book or or talking to other people. According to them, and here's my direct quote, the Kool-Aid man is equally composed of Kool-Aid liquid and ice. His pitcher is to give him shape 
and make him the iconic mascot that he is. So, two big surprises there. One, the Kool-Aid Man, independent of being sentient Kool-Aid, also has a magical pitcher that can walk. (laughs) Two, uh, he's equal parts Kool-Aid liquid and ice, which I didn't think was the case. I thought there was much less ice than Kool-Aid liquid. It might be, like, metaphysically equal parts. And then three, uh, even the Kool-Aid brand representative wasn't willing to call Kool-Aid a drink. (laughs) They only referred to it as Kool-Aid liquid, which I thought was very (laughs) odd. So I asked if that meant that comparing the Kool-Aid man to the Christian god would constitute partialism. They staunchly refused to answer any of our follow-up questions. Um, but I think we got our answer, and, and it is uh, yes. It's it's not just yes. It's not just partialism. Because partialism says that, um, that the Trinity is composed equally. It has parts, and has three parts. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The Kool-Aid Man has two parts. And then a third separate magical artifact. Yes, Yes, this is a different heresy. (laughs) So which one do you think is the jar in this metaphor? Is it Jesus? The jar has to be the Holy Spirits. Does it? That's the part of God people don't, that most people most often, is that true? I have to go see what Arians have with the Holy Spirit. One second. Yeah, people who don't think Jesus is God typically don't think the Holy Spirit is God. Okay, so I suppose God would have to be the Kool-Aid liquid, which would make Jesus ice, which is going to be popular with, like, the, the cool Christianity folk. And then the Holy Spirit is the independent pitcher. Do you know... I'm not going to do this. Okay. Uh, New yeah, uh, is that true? I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, I, I completely have to be corrected. But I think that people who think the Holy Spirit, who think Jesus isn't God, don't think the Holy Spirit is God. So you just have, mostly. Uh, yeah, okay. So it's okay. Like some whole new heresy. I called them Mormons at some point, but it's not Mormons, because Mormons believe that it's a whole other thing that they believe. Um... Okay, so we've come up with a new... Is this a unique heresy? Is it already named, or do we have the ability to name it for ourselves? I think it might be... Like, does anyone claim that God has two parts and then a third unrelated also their part? That It's a very weird one to go for. I'm not sure they do. I guess, yeah, because people think the Holy Spirit is, like, something from God. They don't think it's, like, an extra thing God has picked up at some points. Yeah, yeah. Although I guess that's kind of how the saints work. In what? Like the like the the saints are are comparable, I think, under this lens to the function of the glass jar. Right? They're not God, but they they are independent magical artifacts in a sense. No, that's not how saints. That's not how. That's not the orthodox understanding of saints. In most orthodoxies, um, not just Nicene, I think. How do, what, back up. What's the orthodox understanding of saints? Maybe I'm totally wrong about them. I was. We got into this in the fourth episode too. Um, saints. Everyone who gets into heaven is a saint. Mm-hmm. Uh, saints in the Catholic, Orthodox, and I think Anglican understanding are 
people who we know have gotten into heaven. Yeah. And people get into heaven uh, because they're in heaven and they have a direct line to God. Uh, I'm probably missing that last bit up. But that's what I, that's what I think is a, a fun no, sentence no, to I say. Think I think the saints are believed to be empowered with their own, like, not because they're no, friendly what? with God and they can ask for favors. No, that's not a thing. Yeah. They're no. independent beings from God. Sure, but they're not, their power doesn't come from them. It comes from being in heaven. Or a miracle through God. Their pa- the power comes from being in heaven? That's not how I thought that worked. Are you sure about that? Yeah, it's not saints... It's, it's not the case that saints have their own powers. No orthodox understanding, typical orthodox understanding, uh, independent from God. Now, when you say that, do you just mean because God is all things and all places? Like, is no. this one of those backhanded ways to get into it? No. So what are what is the extent of a saint? I know they have domains. What are the extent of a saint's powers over their domain? Like, what can a saint do? Saints Talk can do anything it. God's let... God lets them do. But they're just, they're, they're like phoning back and saying, yeah, they're yeah. putting in a requisition form for a miracle. Yeah. And they cannot independently do anything. Yeah. I didn't think that's how that worked. And I'm... I'm pretty sure that's how that works. And the domains are just like stuff that saints are interested in in life, so they'll be interested in death. I know we have listeners who know this better than I do. Uh, to check in with us on this one. Somebody, somebody speak up. The other, speaking of speaking up, the other thing I want to get into. I also want to check because, like, this is this this is one of those things that might like vary in between. Like, I don't just want Catholic listeners. If you, I would like to check in to see if Coptics, Orthodox, uh, who else do I know? Jehovah's Witnesses, um, Lutherans. Every, every, I want to see if if this varies. I'm ninety percent sure there's at least one denomination where they believe that. Uh, you can personally attain the powers of God at some point. And I think it's through sainthood. And I, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, the logic is something along the lines of since God made man in his own image, then someone who can attain the image of God must also have the powers of God. But but don't don't hold me to that particular line of reasoning. Just the, oh, the overall structure that I'm gesturing at there. Huh. I know there are some kind of variants of Christianity popular in orthodoxy. Um, in Mormonism, where um, God makes humanity is on the track to become God, or God-like. Yeah. See, we really should have had a religious guest on for this one. I know exactly we can have on for this discussion, actually. Oh, we'll call them. I will. Okay. Okay. Um, I thought they also have read the book, so I'll, I'll, I'll have to find a good chapter for them to come on. Oh, you're not. I thought you were going to call them now. Okay, then no. the other thing I want to address. I, mean, I, I can I ask them a question as well, but yeah, not now. the other thing I want to address before we move on. Uh, I guess there's a lot of pre-show show today. So last week, not as much as last week. Not as much. No, they don't know about that though. Actually, yeah, you left in one reference. I spent. I said a lot of really inflammatory things about rationalists, and they're all being unjustly removed from this show. I'm pretty sure I left in you complaining about that. Great. Now they'll at least know that in spirit I'm against them. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was edited in a a way last week where every time I spoke, 
I was interrupting someone by about half a second. Uh, and I, I'm usually very willing to come off as abrasive on this show. But since I'm actively pushing to get our entire audience on the podcast at some point, I promise that was not representative of the experience of coming on the podcast. Uh, I do not, in fact, interrupt people every time I talk. We're fine to be on podcasts with. Ask most of the people who've been on. If you need a list of who to ask, let me know. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe check in with who you should... Who you should We'll put together a list of people you should talk to. We might have to cut this, so I won't get too deep into it. So this chapter, uh, yeah. this chapter opens. Uh, we're at the Senate. Tully is yelling about things. He makes a weird argument I don't like. So there's a lot to get through, and I'm probably going to skim over a bunch of interesting bits. Oh, it opens, I have. Mm -hmm. It opens with a note about how lucky it is that two people can be born at the same time, which is clearly meant to be sort of a parallel to Jed and Bridger, mm -hmm. or Jehovah and Bridger. I, I mm -hmm. genuinely don't know which one I've settled on at this point. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to talk about that, because I need to leave some time for this tracker bullshit. Um, <laughs> Tully is riling people up to get into a fight. Mm -hmm. Mycroft says that he doesn't know Tully all that well. Mm -hmm. we I, I do want to... More. Okay, go. Yeah, I was waiting for you to stop me. Yeah, so in the first oh page, we hear a lot about implicitly about the uh, the governance system of this world, um, right? Uh, we learn about all of their the names of the people who are part of it, the censor, the tribunes, the senators, the quaestors, the city prefect, and we learn the name. We've not we've had it before, but we, it's, the name is also mentioned here. The name of their apparent their apparent system of government that unifies the hives, the universal free alliance. Um, and the first thing to note is that all of these names for for things in this government are Roman. These are the um, names of of people in the of important magistrates in the Republic of Rome. They had a continuing existence after the Republic of Rome, but they became less important. Um, well, their functions changed. The Senate of Rome actually lasts for, like, <laughs> a very long time. It's very funny. Um, okay. So, okay, the, the question I have for you is, how do, well, how do you think this governance system works, and what do you think about it? Or do you know anything about it? I know very little about it. I... I th there's clearly a Senate of some sort, but um, and and we also get a a section about how uh, Jehovah has the right to veto anything that he doesn't like personally. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm picturing something a lot like a United Nations, except with seven members, mm -hmm. and it's clearly housed in Romanova. Yeah, which I think we actually were told early, early on in Book One. Yes but I'm not familiar enough with the political structures of Rome to make interesting parallels. Um, I mean, the hives are clearly both very different and intended to be very different, so that they have some sort of table to negotiate. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm essentially just picturing United Nations situation, mm -hmm. where everyone comes together to talk, but, but no one necessarily has... Like, the emperor couldn't just start writing laws for the humanists. Mm-hmm. 
That you're asking and that I have such a weak answer makes me really concerned I'm going to feel like a huge idiot next chapter. <laughs> That's happened a couple of times. <laughs> what else? You were sort of zooming. Uh, so my next note um, comes when Tully starts describing the how bad war is with examples. So uh, I, I think my note might be before that. Mm-hmm. I have that I'm not sold on Tully and his Mycroft canner as a prelude to war theory. Oh, okay, yeah. Although as a rhetorical tool to cause a war, I think it's probably really effective. Mm-hmm. I just think he's making a kind of a bad argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when does he start giving examples of war? Okay, the argument is like not just... I think the, the Mycroft canner is the, rhetor- the best rhetorical example of the argument, and canner has been the most best rhetorical example of the argument, but it seems plausible to me that as war comes, there are more brawls, hate crimes, sports. Not just, not sports, but brawls and hate crimes. (laughs) I don't think that's true. Um, Like, I don't think that people who like horror movies like horror movies because they're about to go to, or they're, they're in support of a war. I don't think that's the argument. I think he even makes a case against like dark jokes and being as being representative of like this primal human urge to destroy. And I don't know, I just I don't I don't buy it. I think that that is an a emotionally satisfying thing to say, "Oh, look at this. Look at these things I don't approve of. They're a sign of some worse thing." But I think historically that hasn't been super true. And I don't think it actually holds up as a position that we could say plot when war is coming by how many people are willing to make jokes about unpleasant, horrible subjects. For example, the censor may measure it in statistics, but you can measure it yourself in how many people you've seen smile or joke about Mycroft Canner or Jack the Ripper or any of these human monsters that some fraction of the world inevitably loves. I mean, okay, I actually think that might be true, but not, like, for the reason he gives here. Um, I bet people often make jokes about things that make them uncomfortable, or things that are relevant, uh, and the more that there's likely to be violence, the more people are going to need to make jokes about violence. Um, right? Mm, Which is, like, not the argument he makes. Oh, dude, just a totally different argument that... Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know if that's true. Uh... It seems plausible to me. I think it's. I think that would be more true of people who have experienced violence, perhaps. I think that's true too. Um, but doesn't mean there's not an uptick. Um, but I think the 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 best argument is before he starts talking about Minecraft Canner. Like I think this has this 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 has like two. The speech has two pieces. He gives like a reasonable argument, and then uses the fact that he's a Canner survivor to. to to drive home the point about the the previous thing by extending it to the, the the thing that he's personally experienced. Yeah, I think his early statements are are pretty reasonable, uh, mm-hmm. but we've sort of seen a lot of these becoming problems on the way. But if I if you look at these specific elements, I don't think any of them on their own are very well. Like let let's take let me take a look at his complaints here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mitsubishi are squatting on all the land. 
yeah, we've heard that as a complaint about the Mitsubishi, but it also sounds like other people don't care that much about the land. We heard that early on, right? The Utopians spend a giant chunk of the world's income on what everyone else sees their crackpot Mars obsession. Sure, but the Utopians are spending their own income on it. Uh, that seems fine, probably, that people should be able to spend money on what they want. The Utopians are spending 30% of the world's income on that. Uh, yeah, but are they spending other people's income or utopian income? I think it's reasonable for people to be annoyed if the 30% of the world's economic output is directed towards something as, that is a crackpot endeavor. Why we do that now? With the, the actual military? <laughs> people are annoyed about... <laughs> God damn it. Looks like we have mud on this going to be a, an incredible argument. Um, people are annoyed about that now. They're not even spending government income. Like, they're not taxing the rest of the world to do it. They're just spending their own money. That's fine. Mm, they also, they do it through things like patents, right? And copyrights. Yeah. Seems pretty great that they're making so much amazing stuff they can <laughs> drop 30% of the world's income on their crackpot Mars mission. I can't believe I'm defending the Utopians here all of a sudden. It's not where I thought this was going to go, but I, it's what's well, happening. I, I, I don't... I don't I'm not saying this is like, first of all, I don't think the crap mouse is, is a crap endeavor. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong for them to do it. I'm saying people will probably be annoyed. If people are annoyed by that, the people are being bad and I don't approve. Okay. The, <sighs> this is we're talking about a war, right? People doing things you don't approve of in a war is just sort of like par for the course. It's not a war yet. They're thinking about maybe it being a war. But right now, it's just aggressive political turmoil. You know, that's different. Sure, it might be changing soon, but right now, there, isn't, there isn't a war yet. Aggressive political turmoil still involves people doing things you don't like. Yeah, uh, sure. Let me, let me continue through my list of his complaints here. Okay. Um, the utopian thing is, is fine. I don't think that's really an argument against peace, right? The utopians spending their own money on what they want should not be an argument against existing in a peaceful society. The emperor taking over the world. Look, I've been I've been pretty consistently pro-Mason, but full disclosure, uh, that one's a better point. If that's true, and the emperor is taking over Romanova, okay, I get that one. Sure. Um... And we find out then about a bunch of deaths that have been happening because people are going all murdery. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold on Tully's whole thing. And maybe it's tainted by the second half of the argument that he makes, where I feel like he kind of goes off the rails a little bit. Yeah, I think the the last bit is is like, mostly he's he's doing this sort of rhetorical argument, rhetorical argument bit, uh, where he has decent arguments mixed with rhetoric, but he just goes full hog on rhetoric when he talks about Kanner, which is interestingly the same way that. Mycroft talks about Tully. Yeah, and Mycroft admits to it, at least. But but also, his advice... Well, no, it's hard to keep remembering that he's both making predictions and actively trying to make them come true. Uh, everyone uh, walking away from the peace talks to barricade their doors and hoard food <laughs> feels like an easy way to make the peace talks less effective. That's fair. So that it is what he's telling everyone to do, is like, like, hey, think about who you're going to kill. Better have a plan. Mm. I I get where he's coming from. I just don't. Not necessarily like the uh, idea. It's not even the idea. I just I think 
I think he could be making a better argument than this. Mm-hmm. Because the world is collapsing, uh, mm-hmm. so I don't like that he's, in my eyes at least, overselling his hand here to try to be sure he can tip the scales. I think it's part of it is that what we're, we're, we're reading is like an attempt to... One of the first times we're ever here in this story, uh, an attempt to sway a crowd. No, it isn't. What? Oh, Tully We've did this before. We've heard him do this like 12 times. It's all Tully does. <laughs> well, like a Tully decent spends... size... Okay, that's fair. Tully spends all of his time <laughs> convincing crowds, but just Tully spends all of his time convincing crowds. Um... Except for Sniper's one speech at the end of also Tully. There was also the the uh, Hive Day speeches. That's that's not what that those were historical speeches. Yeah, they were and they were attempting to do what? They weren't like presently trying to Fair enough. The Hive Day speeches and Tully and Sniper all the times. Most of the people we hear talk on McArguments don't do this. That's true. That's true. And then to, to keep us moving forward, Jehovah arrives. And oh, no, I haven't talked he... about the thing I want to talk about yet. I have my notes. Oh, I thought that was the thing. All right, go on. The So we hear about, we, we learn more about the church war. Uh, when describing how, how the world, how the world wars turned the world to hell, he says, the monsters that dropped the bomb, capital B, on Hiroshima, Rome, and Washington. And bomb and uh, there's a bit about Ibis Marty, uh, and then um, hmm, I... and then Sorry. bombed New York after it was evacuated to watch the famous skyline burn. Mm-hmm. I had not at all put together that this was a church war reference. Well, Washington is not bombed. This is up and nuclear bombed now, and New York skyline still stands. Last I checked. Well, I mean, New York has been bombed in the past not in the sense not with a no but i mean the it, yes i now that i agree out, new york's skyline has changed in a drastic way in the past 50, 30 years in the past 20 years but like oh yeah that too i wasn't even thinking of that i was oh. thinking of the british uh <laughs> really yeah doesn't have a that, that's okay I totally forgot that we had a 9-11. Um, yeah. No, no, but I when I read this, the I assumed the Hiroshima one was probably the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. But then when they went to Rome and Washington, I just assumed they were talking about, you know, cities being assaulted. Rome has certainly uh, fallen to battle in the past. And I was yes. reading bomb here as much more metaphorical than literal bomb news. The capital Seems B in like... bomb makes it clearly atomic, I think. Does it? The capital B in bomb might also make it more just a description of violence. This is the problem with poetry, by the way. This is this is why we can't have it. Poetry is great, uh, but this is also mm. incredibly clear. The first time, the first use of the bomb, uh, the, first, the first application of this word uh, bomb is on Hiroshima, which is yeah, famous, which wasn't bombed kind. before. It, it, it bombed, yeah, it's been bombed once. And Rome. I guess that explains why we needed a Romanova. Hmm. And Washington. And New York. We, we knew that Rome had been... Um, oh, here's some news. I've been, I have a physical copy of Seven Surrenders. Um, oh, you here? You there? Yeah, I just... You, you hadn't finished your sentence. Oh, okay. I have a physical copy of Seven Surrenders. I ordered it at the same time as I ordered Perhaps the Stars. Um, 
which is currently sitting locked in my storage cabinet below me. Literally locked. Oh, mine's just on a bookshelf. Oh, As we, this is a sort of demonstration of how much we trust ourselves. Yeah, I, I would not I would not feel the need to lock something up once I've decided not to do it. Huh. Apparently my mother just bought a cape. Oh. For twelve dollars. That's pretty I didn't nice. I realize they were still making those. Hmm. Uh, were we told that Rome had fallen apart, or were we... Clearly, I think we were led to believe that Rome had just become boring and not like old Imperial Rome used to be, so they decided to make a new Rome. But were we actually told that Rome, the city, was properly demolished? Because, like, there's demolished and then there's exploded. One can happen just because people get bored of a place over time. So we knew that uh, the Doria Pampili Palace was fully reconstructed after the Church War. I get, I wouldn't have... I, I don't feel bad about... Sorry, I, I moved... Not moved. catching that? Yeah, like, all kinds of stuff probably got destroyed during the Church War. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I guess Rome, it's now safe to assume, went down. And Washington and New York. Um, have we heard anything about Washington and New York? I don't think we have. No, I don't think so. I'm not sure we've heard... We've heard about George Washington. We have heard about George Washington. I'm trying to think if we've heard of any. What are the cities we know about? I don't think we've heard anything about America lately, have we? Uh, the closest thing is that uh, Cato works for um, the Mu- Chicago Museum of Science Industry. And they at no point say that that's in Chicago. Well, surely. <laughs> surely it is. The, 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 the Maltese, uh, the, the order of Malta isn't in Malta, right? Why wouldn't you name, why wouldn't you call it something? I mean, that's a really short commute from Brazil? Current day Brazil? Chile. Chile. Um, that's not that far away. I was trying to think if there, we've had any other clues about big cities that that may have been taken out. It seems like if there was a big nuclear war, probably the Americans would have started it. We knew we do know that the Americans were part of the church war. This is the primary complaint in the in the other in the very first propagandistic speech we've ever heard um given by Carlisle. Not the I same Carlisle. We've heard much about Russia either. I'll be mildly disappointed if if the church war was a United States Russia conflict. Just because it could have been something more interesting, you know? I've, I've heard a lot about those. Um, are we now... <laughs> we do get that. You're clearly now right that it was the church war. Church war seems pretty bad. Mm-hmm. People are real upset about the Abyss Marty thing. Um, as, as one should. That my, my, big, my big take here is I don't love Tully Marty. Um, although I do suspect more and more that as we continue... The I don't want to quite use the word protagonist because the book has taken a stand on protagonist, but the characters we've been introduced to in these first two books may end up being framed much more as the antagonists of the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you can't speak to that. It's just seeming more and more like a thing that this is leaning towards happening. Are we, are we on Jehovah arriving? Yeah. Okay. So he shows up and tells everyone... Hi, I'm, uh, I'm here, and I used my mind magic to fix Mycroft. 
He doesn't say the word Minecraft, my magic. He says the word rehabilitated, but essentially yes. <laughs> I'm barely paraphrasing this. The line is literally, I rehabilitated Minecraft, can I? Inserting the word mind magic is a hell of a paraphrase. Well, I'm a skilled paraphraser. <laughs> anyway, he shows up, he lets Mycroft speak briefly. Tully takes this pretty okay, I guess. He was a baby at the time, so, you know, he's probably less traumatized by Mycroft than he most was people seven. would be. He was seven? He was seven. What? Why do I not know how old anyone is? Wasn't he described as Baby Tully, like, a chapter he ago? Was, he was he was the youngest. And he was significantly younger than everyone else. I think the next oldest was, like, 14. A seven-year-old is not a baby. They thought of him as the baby. The baby of the family. Mm. Alright. Well, then, he takes it pretty well, given the things that happened with Mycroft Canner. They have a little bit of an argument. Uh, let me pull up my notes. I, I have a comment on this. Um, Jed makes some pretty okay points about Mycroft. Yeah, so Jed's pretty much right. Um, it is, strictly speaking, for the best that Mycroft has stopped other people from dying. The death penalty is properly ineffective. It seems like a good idea, I'll give you credit. It just turns out it doesn't stop people like you might think it would from killing other people. Mm -hmm. Tully obviously disagrees. Yeah, I think... I, I don't like the penalty either, but I have to admit that uh, uh, I, would, I would be also annoyed if Tully, <laughs> as Tully, if um, it turned out that um, the person who uh, torture murdered my family was not just alive, but like roaming free in the streets. Not doing any more murders, though, so... Yeah, I'm going to talk about that at the end of the chapter. I mean, the life of a servicer is not a spectacular one, as I think we've established. We also want to talk about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I have no. Jehovah shows up. Mm -hmm. They go back and forth. Jehovah is very disappointed in people for wanting to murder everyone. Mm -hmm. um, we get some great news, or we get a great little bit from the Emperor in mm -hmm. here uh, on how protective they are of their familiarities. Mm -hmm. And that's that's fun. And I don't have any other big notes to talk about here until after that thing that happens happens. So if you oh, have, I have, section, I have notes. Um, okay, so the first thing is that apparently... So the, the Emperor tries to kick Tully off of the Rostra. Uh, yeah. refuses. Wait, the, uh, are you sure? The Tribune would, been, would be within their rights to have you arrested for your vendetta, uh, for inciting riot. Go. What page are you on? I thought Kosala was the first one to do that. I mean, they both tried. Oh, 262. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, then I know what's happening. Continue. Yeah. And Tully refuses. Moreover, uh, Mycroft notes, he smiled as if he had not felt comfortable on the Rostra until someone had tried to kick him off. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sympathetic to that. Uh, and then Tully claims that the Martys did all they could to prevent this war, which is pretty great. Uh... <laughs> In a sense, they did. Like, you could you could spin that so it was true. They tried to prevent this war by starting a, it, one five years ago. Yeah. Um, also, they tried to, uh, apparently, on the Minecraft, trying to sell a, a less intense war uh, than the one that's, according to Minecraft, going to be kicked off by this kerfuffle. Uh, and then <laughs> Jehovah uh, starts saying, like, um, 
Microfish is the word Jehovah in this, the name of Jehovah in this chapter. Uh, Jehovah is not saying, uh, we can choose peace. Uh, how, why can we choose peace? The proof is in Mycroft. Mycroft walked the streets. They knew you were still alive. Um, they could, could have tracked you down and killed you. They chose not to. This is just wrong. Uh, Mycroft couldn't have tracked Tully down. Uh, that's the whole reason Tully fled to the moon. When Tully came back and Mycroft knew about it, immediately Mycroft was like, we have to kill him, and told his uh, better half to go do so. Yes. But, you know, <laughs> he didn't do it himself, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I I do appreciate Jehovah's optimism throughout this chapter, that people mm-hmm. are going to be better than they're they're likely ultimately going to mm-hmm. um also i've said a lot of negative things about the the printing of the copy of this book that i have i've actually taken i have taken a picture of the the spine warping i can i can fit an entire finger in between the the, the, the front and back cover of this book with oh, it wow. closed fully wow um I'll put it in the in the Discord that I'm allowed to be in. But the thing that happens next, as I mentioned at the start, uh, is they have a little speech, and Jed explains that there's not going to have to be wars. We can do peace. We can be better than we were, right? Um, and this is our first chance. And then he gets uh, he gets murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his head explodes suddenly, mm-hmm. and it happens exactly on the page turn between. 263 and 264 yeah so as you're reading it the last line you read is this is not the end of peace it is the first chance we have ever had to make a real peace and seeing how humanity comports it's uh and then you turn and we get jed dead which is (laughs) both fun and a rhyme yeah and um here's where i got really really confused about what Mm -hmm. was happening because I know that Jed is alive after this, and I briefly forgot that Bridger was around, and I spent the next most of this chapter thinking that Mycroft was having a hallucination. Ooh, that's fun. Why do you it, know Jed's alive? Why? A sniper literally told us that. Oh, that's right. It was not. It was very clear that Jed survives, at least until... After Sniper, sniper reveals himself. <laughs> so from the moment this started happening, I immediately had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out it wasn't a hallucination. He stays dead for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. We get some great character stuff for what everyone does as a result to it. Um, I think my favorite is Dominic, who immediately just starts charging at the person who he sees who has done it. Yelling blasphemer. Yeah, yeah, just straight to stabbing. Uh, Mycroft points out that he literally didn't think Jed could die, so he wasn't worried about it. But he clearly needed to go stab this person. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone... Dominic's is... pretty great, and I, I hate that I have to say that about this character now, because much of Dominic I'm deeply uncomfortable with. Yeah, Dominic's a very uncomfortable character. The character um, who makes me the most uncomfortable. Uh, but he has some great moments. 
Yes. And we also hear what names are used. Uh, so, the censor and the emperor call him Jehovah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin calls him Domine. Uh, the director calls him Tycoon. I think that's oh. all we get. But, crucially, mm-hmm. the world hears him called Jehovah, a mm-hmm. religious name. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Literally gonna... the name of God. <laughs> that's going to go over poorly, I bet. Yeah. Uh, and then what do we get from that? Sniper announces themselves an assassin. I gotta mm-hmm. say, classic assassination blunder is to stand up and immediately broadcast evidence that you did it. Um, I think probably a mistake. No, that's. I think we have different notions of assassination. This is so the people who assassinated the last, both Julius Caesar and the last king of Rome, uh, Tarquinius something, Superbus maybe. Both after they had killed them, after they assassinated them, immediately announced themselves as assassins uh, and took credit for it. Okay. But what's Sniper's plan now? In fact, for the for Julius Caesar, only like three people got hits on him before he died. Uh, but afterward, a bunch of people came up with knives, stabbed him afterward. After that, a bunch of people came over smeared Julius Caesar's blood on themselves and then walked outside to claim credits. Sure, and that was a very different time. Right now, uh, (laughs) Sniper has just drawn a massive target on their back, and they're the last OS that we have. Thisbe is in custody, Occam's in custody. What's uh, he gonna do now? Leslie isn't in custody. Uh, Eureka isn't in custody. Leslie's name doesn't start with an O. They can't they're not qualified. Needs must. <laughs> um, but I think I th- that that's the sort of tradition of of assassination sniper is coming from. Where he explicitly says, "The most justified I could be, the most justified people think we are assassins are, is when they assassinate tyrants. And when you assassinate a tyrant, you don't kill them in the shadows, and let them." And let the regime continue in some way, or stumble on in some way. You kill them, publicly take credit, uh, because what you've done, what you've claimed to have done, is to kill them for the sake of the community, for the sake of the of the people's business, for the sake of the republic. And I think this is clearly a dumb plan, <laughs> and it's it's, and many elements of it are fine, right? revealing the information about how this is all a conspiracy and how actually Ganymede was a was secretly the good guy and that's why he was there it was for good guy reasons uh that's all fine but but OS is clearly a deeply important institute even if it is in danger now uh you've lost all deniability on the whole murdering people thing and them murdering people in secret for so long is the only way we've avoided wars well, I think Sniper thinks that when people see isn't going to continue. And wants OS to continue. And so the only way he thinks... One of the only ways he thinks it can continue is by gaining political legitimacy. Which, like, it didn't have... Because it, it wasn't... It couldn't have had that before because it wasn't a thing in the public's mind. Uh, so it couldn't be legitimate because people didn't know about it. Now, a lot of people know about it. Piper wants the institution to gain legitimacy. How? By assassinating a tyrant. What better way to prove that you are a capable, uh, capable institution or a credible institution than by preventing dictatorship? 
you know what, if his plan is to try to become a proper political force, then then I'm I'm more on board. This is less this is less dumb if that's what he wants moving forward. I think he's perhaps more confident than he should be that he won't just be arrested. <laughs> that's fair. Because that's try to arrest him. Dominic tries to stab him. Dominic does try to stab him, and good for Dominic. Um, Dominic should have had an easier time stabbing him, by the way. So they note... So here's the thing. I know that Sniper is an Olympic fencer, and that's very, very impressive. Um, I I have seen... I have seen Olympic fencers with small swords, which is what it sounds like he has, right? Because they note that he took out his his epee blade and put mm-hmm. in a sharpened one, which... Mm-hmm. All right, so here's where I'm going to get uh, too in-depth on on stabbing people with swords, right? So mm-hmm. it's weird that, that you would have a, a sharpened blade on that because that's just not a thing that's been designed for doing cutting, right? Like the point of an epee, which sort of descended from the small sword, is that it's really, really good at stabbing people and not at slicing at people. I have seen uh, F.A. Blades, and I do uh, Hema, so I, I have I have in fact done sparring with a guy who has a, a rapier trainer with a small sword blade. Um, even an Olympic fencer, Dominic should have done a better job if Dominic's as good at stabbing as it sounds like he is, right? He should have, like, a solid extra foot of reach... And the ability to cut people. And here's the thing about Olympic fencing. Um, it's not a lot like... Wait, why does he have an extra foot of reach? Rapiers are, like, way longer than epee blades. Ah, okay. Like, like substantially. And they actually are sharpened. Um, so they're, they're a little bit less good at stabbing. Mm-hmm. But you can, you can poke people farther away. Mm-hmm. And you can get a little bit of slicing in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people who do Olympic fencing are never prepared for someone to just grab and wrestle them, which is a thing that happens a lot if you're doing fencing in the way that someone who does HEMA might do fencing, where your goal is to just, is to win. And I'm I'm confident that is the position Dominic is in here, right? Yeah, I think there's a couple of... So, one, I don't think Sniper is like a, is like a normal Olympic fencer. Um, yeah, no, he's really, really good at Olympic fencing. No, my, he's my, also not like a normal Olympic fencer. Um, it's noted... Uh, in Q69, um, that that Minecraft thinks no one has ever thought about it as a test of military excellence as much as Sniper has. Well, that's the entire pentathlon. Yes. So, yes. And so I think um, Sniper thinks about all of these Olympic sports, not just about, like, a set of rules he's trying to dominate within those rules, but as... He wants to actually get good at stabbing people. He wants to actually get good at running on horses. He wants to actually be a competent soldier. Uh, much in the same way that Arkham always clicks his heels whenever he talks to people who he thinks are his superior. That's pretty great. I, I do like that about Arkham. My objection here, and I'm, I'm on board for the rest of them. Um, my objection here is that as presented, mm-hmm. even angry, mm-hmm. I believe Dominic should have had more of an advantage than we actually saw. Okay. Having seen people with an Olympic fencing background try to do exactly this, uh, it doesn't go this great. 
Although it is pretty fun that Sniper's fencing end up being a big relevant element of his character. Also, <laughs> Dominic has not murdered as many people as I had gotten the impression he had. Dominic has not murdered as many... Uh, Dominic is willing clubs. to admit to three murders of people. Um, and... Yeah, he's, he's killed four humanists and two Mitsubishi in legal duels. Um, which apparently you can do. And then some other number of black laws. Yeah. So Dominic is willing to put down on this paper that he's killed four humanists and two Mitsubishi legally, uh, and some other number of black laws legally as well. <laughs> I, ju- I thought the number would be higher. I got the sense, hearing Dominic speak, that Dominic killed people, like, once a week. I think Dominic does kill people, like, once a week. But he doesn't do it legally. <laughs> Perhaps. That's a lot about black laws. Uh, so Sniper gives his speech. He puts together this story about how Jehovah is going to take over all of the hives. Which, maybe. Um, I don't... I, I didn't get that sense, having been sort of hearing the conversations that were happening. Uh, partially because I don't think Jehovah would be willing to take over all the hives. I feel like he kind of has his own thing going on. Um, well, he, it's not just that Jehovah is, like, trying to do something. Uh, he goes back to, like, um, he says that Joy, that, that, that Madame, that Madame is trying to, to, to make yes. Jed dictator. Um, and we I, learn I, I also, just don't think that's necessary. Okay. So we also learn that Felix and, um, Joyce are siblings. Yes, I had that. I had that in my notes. Um, that's Sitting fun. A little bit. This book, it's just it's incest all the way down. Truly. Well, they're bossibs, um, at least. Oh. Mm. Yeah, we're told those are those are families, so they can either play that card or they can not. I'm, I'm still astounded that anyone pretended that was relevant or interesting information back when Casimir Perry was having his thing going on. The other one that bugged me about this is Jehovah's actual father is the king of Spain. And I totally could have put that one together <laughs> if I wasn't so confident the book had already just told me who his father was. I, tried to, I tried to help you as much as I could. Um, in the, I, I asked you questions and you're like, well, no, it's true. I'm like, okay. I guess you're like... <laughs> I... I was just so confident that the book had already revealed this information to me. And I keep doing that. And it's really annoying for me as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's amusing for me. I will once or twice a chapter have something come up as a reveal. And I'll have Mm -hmm. to go, but but I was sure you told me the opposite of that in no uncertain terms seven chapters ago. And on reflection, perhaps it didn't, but still, I object. <laughs> um, okay, so, okay, no, let's talk about incest. Okay. Historical taboos on incest have varied uh, in time and place. Um, the relevant bits of this aren't about uh, direct sibling incest, um, but about broader family incest, right? Um, because until recently, um, among aristocracy, it was first cousin marriage uh, was relatively common. 
uh, both in the U.S. and later in um, Europe. He was banned for a bit by the Catholic Church, but not and then Europe became not Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. And people were, were fine with it. Uh, but now it's much more taboo. That's somewhat surprising. I don't know that, I'll be honest, I haven't read a lot on the history of incest. Um, well, it, it comes up, so, like, um, for example... It comes up a lot, and it, yes, uh, perhaps oh, okay. I should have, but, you know, <laughs> I don't, rarely... I don't really like an objective sense, but, like, every once in a while you, you work in history and you read, like, Einstein, Mary Discussion for a bit, or um, FDR, Mary Discussion. Yeah, FDR, Mary Discussion. I guess I just always presumed that everyone around them also thought that was weird. No. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Huh. Did not know. Are Are we willing to make a stand on this podcast that you probably shouldn't marry your cousin? I'm not. Okay, we're we're pro cousin marriage. Cool. Good to know. I'll just uh, roll that in. Well, it depends on the situation. Uh, assess your assess your situation individually. Um, siblings. You probably shouldn't have children with your siblings. Okay, all right. That's where we draw the line. That's, That's where right. we draw the line. Don't have children with your siblings. Um... <laughs> so, I, I like Sniper's little story he tells. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't think it's a true story. Um, one, because I've I've seen Ganymede, and it, it paints him as, as far too sympathetic. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty amusing. Uh, another thing that's interesting is that the way he talks about Ganymede and Benet as contrasts from each other. And in some extent, that's true like thematically but in terms of who they're loyal to uh ganymede fucking hates according to mycroft hates everyone but danae uh and we see that this the alliance that danae has with ando is also an alliance between ando and ganymede to sniper's credit what he's trying to do here is not reveal the truth it's paint himself in a good light mm-hmm and that works. He, he tells a, a compelling story about what's going on. The other one I love that he, he suggests is that Dominic was sent to corrupt the good and pure Julia Doria Pamphili. Oh, yeah, that's um, pretty good. <laughs> and you know what? Which... I'm on board this time because Julia's delightful. And if it wasn't for Dominic, I could like that character. <laughs> um... Actually, there's a couple of, of great lines about Sniper because of a document. Uh, when fighting, uh, Sniper points them out and says, look, this is Dominic. Look at them. Look at him. So Sniper uh, uses him uh, not as a, as a try to assign uh, statement about their internal character, um, uh, nor as a, a method of, like, um, of trying to recognize their identity. But rather as a way to demonstrate how retrograde Dominic is. Look at this person who has class and has gender. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, which is interesting, because one question is, are there class differences in, in this world? Um, I mean, to some extent, oh. right? They, hmm? I, I never was under the impression that there weren't class divisions in this world. Well... What do I mean by class? Let's try to define my terms before we start talking about this. Um, by class, I don't just mean differences in income. Well, or diff- yeah. Or differences in political power. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, sets of cultures or, um, yeah, cultures, uh, things that recognize themselves as cultures, uh, associated with, uh, which are associated with um, money or rank, rank of birth. And the closest thing we see to that um, is the Guild Breakers. I don't think that's a... Cl- well, that is an example of, of a thing there. But the Mitsubishi have, a, it seems like, a pretty, a pretty clearly laid out class system. And again, I understand when you say class, you aren't just referring to, like, net worth. I, I think us and all our listeners are familiar with the concept of class as a sort of socioeconomic principle. Mm-hmm. I also don't so, mean Marx's sense of class. Because uh, the other default people might have been but I don't mean that either. Um, in fact, that might just not be true of this world. That may not exist. It would be the coherent uh, intuition mechanism. Sure, but I mean, I, I think... I don't think the book has been trying to tell me that isn't the case at any point. And, and you know what? Here's some evidence for it. Everyone's freaked out by the gender in the philosophy brothel. Very mm-hmm. few people have been as surprised by the strict class relations the gender relations are obvious in their clothing sniper is uh, offended by the um the class markers was he i don't remember that coming i I don't remember that happening. look at them look at him wearing all the class and gender markers of the old days when people made slaves of each other oh right just right here uh yeah yeah, but he, he, he wasn't he was in the philosophy brothel he didn't say a thing about it uh, I think it's one thing to to do, to play at class something for fun, another thing to, like, embody it for real. I think that just like it's unpopular to accept class today, it's unpopular to accept it in this future, and that's why he's pointing at it. You know, if I, if I started ranting about the upper class uh, right now, people would be on my side. But that doesn't mean that we don't have class in our society. Uh... True, but look, he doesn't just, he doesn't say, look at him, evidence that the elites have have created control or something. He says, look at him, who has class and gender, like the old days. I I guess maybe you're right, and I've just, but it seems totally cogent to me that they're just kind of in denial about it. I I think that's also a reasonable take, right? Because Sniper says, then says, the old days when people made slaves of each other, uh, and several other places makes makes it clear that he thinks of this world as wonderfully and permanently free, and every person in it is free. There are slaves. Well, that's kind of dumb. Yeah, there's the Minecraft is a slave. That's just what, what right he is. He's... <laughs> um, but maybe his point there is that we aren't making slaves of the servicers. The servicers are making slaves of themselves. <laughs> That is a thing that was believed for every class of forced laborer. Um, well, look, it's but this time. I'm not saying you're, I'm not uh, saying you're the wrong of what he believes, but I think it's funny. <laughs> if the servicers had a stronger moral framework, um, they wouldn't have become servicers. So, really, is it their fault? It's Debatably, so yes. I don't think a lot of people come into contact with services. Um, that wasn't the. I got the sense they were pretty all over the place. I think most like most people. Hmm? They're described as just wandering around doing odd jobs. I don't so. think there's that many services. 
Oh, I thought there were a lot of servicers. It can't be more than 1% of the population. Well, that's not true. I hope yeah, to God they're not about? more than 1% Let of the population. Let me just look up U.S. prison population real quick. It's under 1%. Um, um, or at least at 1%. No society has ever Im- literally imprisoned more than 1% of their population. Some societies have gotten a lot more forced labor out of the population. For example, Sparta, where like up to 80% of people were like slaves. It's not good. Um... Uh, it's 2.8% of U.S. adults. What? Yeah. Fucking Christ, what? No, it's pretty bad. Yeah, I just Googled. Of the entire um, population? How many? No. How about entire U.S. population? Of the youth population? No, of every, like, not just adults, everyone. Oh, um, let me go to the full Wikipedia page here. Okay, go, like... go find the total U.S. population. Um... Um, In the adult correctional systems, 2014 was 6,851,000. Uh, it was 323 million. About 2.1%. 2.134. Why do I think it was under 1%? Well, it's it's not. Is that counting people in... Huh? Um, plenty of servicers to go around is the the short version. Well, this is just confusing, because a lot of people, the people who don't, I mean, I, this fact was told to me are people who don't like prison, so I don't know why, um, who, who is counted in that? Is that people, like, in the county jail as well? No, no, not people in the county jail, people who are under correctional supervision. Um, oh, prison. no. Uh, correctional supervision? I guess it does, it does include probation and parole. Yep. But... No. Frankly, the servicer program is kind of probation and parole, so I'm. That's what I was that's looking fair. for anyway. Uh, people literally in prison, is, is, I think, under one percent. It's very hard to more than because prison is like a whole. It's a very intensive process. It's an expensive process. Um, but like people again have gotten much higher percentages of like slaves. How many people are? What do you? How many slave services do you think there are? How many servicers do I think? Yeah, there percentages are? of the population. What is the... What's the population we have now? It's down... It's like 2 billion, right? It's... What? The the world population in Tarragon is like 2 billion, right? 10 billion uh, people who are past the adult majority. 10 billion? Oh, I thought it was billion. lower than today. No, it was higher. I'm going to say... Um, I'm going to say less than 1% in their servicers, because you mm-hmm. didn't think that was weird when you claimed it earlier, so... I have been wrong before. Uh... Let's say I think there are... Five hundred thousand servicers. That feels like a nice middle of the road estimate. Uh, what's your error on that? Um, ten billion. <laughs> no, okay. that's cheating. Five hundred thousand, give or take. Uh, I I would go as high as five million, because that's about. No, no, I wouldn't. Wait. Let me figure out if I know how to do math correctly for a second here. Mm-hmm. I would go as high as 2.5% servicers. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I wouldn't. I'd go as high as 2% servicers, and I'd go as low as, like, 100,000 servicers. Okay. But I'd anything on the other ends of those seems silly to me. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, so, so we, we do have to talk at some part about the fact that Mycroft, um, Mycroft's pacemaker. Oh, do you want to save that for the track a bit? Yeah, I do. 
Okay. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is that a sniper running on a griffin cloth escape route is very cool, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I liked it. The other thing I want to note is that apparently Aldrin is uh, Tully's bodyguard, which means that Aldrin was part of the plan to kill Jehovah, and oh, Dominic is not going to like that. What? Yeah, Aldrin was one... Oh, sorry, Voltaire was one of Tully's escorts, and Tully cooperated with Sniper to make this happen. It was a... It was the, Voltaire is the, the utopian who knows Dominic from the brothel. Um, yeah. Wait, and what, he what? is specifically called out here as being one of Tully's escorts. And I was asking for the page. Which page? Yeah, what, the page that this is called out on. All right, well, 264. Guards covered the rostra, human shields pressing us down beneath a wall of uniforms. Masonic gray, Romanovan blue, senatorial gold, utopian two, Aldrin, Voltaire, Tully's nameless escorts suddenly visible as they leapt into motion. Aldrin and Voltaire are Tully's uh, escorts. Aldrin and Voltaire are there, and then also Tully has escorts which are nameless. I don't think that's what that sentence says. Okay. I mean, come on. It's a long sentence, so I don't really want to read it twice. <laughs> Aldrin, comma, Voltaire, comma. Tully's nameless escorts suddenly visible as they leapt into motion, period. They're all together because they're all utopians. Yeah. You've read this book, so you're probably right. I've read but... it wrong multiple times. <laughs> this wow. is a very weird way to phrase that if it isn't what's going on. What I should do... Uh, I'm gonna say what I have done is my is my teacher in in ninth grade uh, would uh, often like do 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 problems on the board and when he did that uh, he would include errors in his argumentation uh, and wait to see if anyone caught them. <laughs> That's fun. Um, he also just sort of put problems on the board and let us <laughs> let us solve them. It was a fun. He's a good teacher. I like him. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, we they have explosive bullets. That's that's a thing that we discover. Mm-hmm. That's why Jehovah's entire head blew up. It wasn't just because the bullet was huge. Uh, Madame is Felix's sister. Jehovah's father is the king of Spain. I made a note that says this is why you shouldn't trust children, and I'm struggling to remember what I was talking about. Bridger? Oh, I know I know what I was talking about. Yeah, it was Bridger. Yeah. So Bridger shows up. Yeah. Unless you have something else. Let's see here. Um Democratic. Where's the animals with police? The sky. Oh, we we hear my uh sniper's political um statement, uh, manifesto. Uh the hives cannot be under the same leader because the hives have for different things and it's good that they did that for different things. I think that's clearly been shown to be untrue, but I appreciate where he's coming from. Well, I think it, it's shown to be previously... Tr- it's previously true they were ruled separately, but now they're ruled together. Yeah, and it's going fine. <laughs> okay. I mean, it is. I get why he thinks it isn't. But I mean, it, I, I would say it isn't. I would say that um, the fact that as, a, as part of this... This method of controlling society, you produce people like Casimir Perry as like, as like um, just as, as as a byproduct is like not good for the stability of society. I think Casimir Perry was not a byproduct. I think Casimir Perry would have happened anyway. I don't think that's true. 
I think he's just kind of a kind of the worst, and people are gross now and forever. People are gross. Like, Cosmo Perry's not a good person. Uh, but it's one thing for a person to be gross once and then, like, leave. But, like, if you if you take this person who is gross, make them so they cannot achieve sexual satisfaction outside of a particular place, and then kick them out? I mean, that's basically what the Utopians do. What? With the, um, Mada Mundo. Mada Mundo. I also like the Mada Mundo. I think that's bad. All right, well, if you think they're both bad, it's much harder for me to throw it back at you. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I think that all of this political fallout we're seeing is not actually caused by the hives not being able to be ruled via committee the way that they have been. Um, I think it's mostly caused by other things. Okay. Like the fact that it's a secret has been much worse than the fact that they're being ruled by a single person. I think... It's been working so fine for so long that I just struggle to take Sniper's position here seriously. Well, it has been working for so long for so long. It has been working for like 50 years. That's a while. Not in terms of like the, the actual system as a whole, though. The entire world order has been around for like 300 years or something. Yeah, and for 50 years, they did it this way and no one could even tell. They could tell. <laughs> I guess I guess Papadalius was complaining about it. Yeah. But... Yeah, sure. Other th- things have been collapsing pretty rapidly. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just not that concerned about. Maybe I should be more concerned about Madame's. Um, I'll try to think about that for next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bridger shows up. Well, okay, and he I have immediately. More oh, sorry. Go on. Okay, Cypher calls this the freest illusion that ever lived. Um, okay, what do you think, Sniper thinks? Of Sniper. Of Mycroft thinks of Sniper. I think Mycroft respects a lot of the things that Sniper can do. Mm-hmm. I don't think Mycroft is a big Sniper fan. Mm-hmm. But, you know. What about uh, Tully? Oh, he clearly hates Tully. So, no, that's interesting because Tully, only one of those people has actually killed his god. That's true, actually. Mycroft should be more anti-Sniper at this point in this book, shouldn't he? Um, he portrays Sniper here as, like, pretty reasonable. So part of this might be the fact that uh, he might have had to, like, run all this by Sniper. Uh, and all this by... Uh, but he had to run all of the Tully chapters by Tully. <laughs> yeah, and he already got Sniper's chapter back, so he wasn't using it as leverage there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think Mycroft is, believes that Sniper is at best, mis, like at worst, kind of misguided. Um, but then again, Mycroft's pretty big on killing people. Like, I, I don't think just killing someone is going to get you into Mycroft's bad books, honestly. Uh, killing his god. Well, but look, he took it pretty well. <laughs> sure, he thought he was dying when he had a heart attack. Uh and had a little bit of a panic thing. I have more Mycroft comments this chapter, but when you look at the way he describes Sniper, he's, like, talking him up at how agile he was doing Mm -hmm. his murder of my god, Mm -hmm. and that's not how I would... That's probably not how I would have done it. (laughs) You'd have reacted more poorly to the death of uh, your god? I I think I would. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait until that happens one day and find mm-hmm. out, but I think I would. 
half a joke, but it's probably illegal. Um, not a legal joke, but not a great plan. <laughs> and the joke is that you go try joke? to join a cult, and then I'll go and assassinate the cult leader, and we'll see what happens. Oh man, I would. I've said it before. I'd be. I'm willing to talk to any cults who think they have a convincing enough pitch. Give me a. Send me an email. Um. No one took me up on that last time. Did you cut it out last time that I asked cults to call me? I might have. I'll leave this one in. Leave this one in, yeah. If you guys think you can persuade me, I am I will go all in on your cult. I'll proselytize for you, do the whole, the whole shebang. Um, yeah, you're right. It's odd that he's so pro-sniper. I don't know what to make of that yet. I'll have to reflect on it, maybe. I keep saying I'll do that and then uh, ignoring the fact that I host a podcast for five days out of the week. I, that's fair. Um, I want to do that, but it's just not a thing that I can do in a reasonable sense because I have to, like, prepare guests and stuff. Yeah. It's one of the few upsides of being the person in my position. There are downsides. (laughs) I now have... Hours and hours of audio of me making a fool of myself. That's that's fun. So Sniper says that this is the only free civilization. Do you believe him? Probably. Free in the way that he means it. I I buy, sure, yeah. What do you mean what do you think he means by free? Well, um that people are free to sort of go and live their lives as they please. That's mm-hmm. historically pretty untrue. Mm-hmm. Most of history is out because you needed farms. Uh, even now, that's pretty much out. But mm-hmm. they're in a sort of semi-post-scarcity world, so mm-hmm. I I'm willing to buy into it purely on those grounds. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my next notes. Please get my notes beforehand. You had talked about the King of Spain. Um, sniper. Look at him. Talked about Ganymede. Talked about Bossibs. Yeah, okay. Okay. So Bridger shows up. Mm-hmm. And Bridger immediately ruins everything. And maybe this is why Mycroft thinks he's the protagonist. So he he's crying a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's unhelpful because it stops him from saying sentences I would have liked to hear him say so I could find out what was happening. Mm-hmm. And then he drops a healing potion on Jed's, on Jehovah's head, mm-hmm. in the middle of everyone. And that was the first of many mistakes. Why do that here, on a stage, in front of everyone, if you're already upset about how you keep ruining everything? Um, this is a- Bridger, just do a better job, please. There's something before this that, that, that matters now. Um, so... Sniper, when he reveals himself, someone uh, tries to shoot him. Because, of course, mm-hmm. they do. Like, why would you not? Now, with a gun, with a special magic scu- Not magic, but a special stun gun. Uh, and in response, he detonates an EMP. Yes. That well, fries several. the cameras, the microphones, and trackers of everyone and around. And Mycroft's pacemaker. And Mycroft's pacemaker. And so Mycroft even on naturally. this stage... Uh, so, first, there's no cameras. No, no, no tracker. There's no, there's like no, nothing that can like actually record Bridger. And then second, it's people are not looking at, not looking at the stage. They're looking at sniper. Well, they are though. Micro really. tells us that they are. Not a lot. Some people are mostly looking at the sniper. 
was giving a speech and being stabbed. Look, it, it, Jehovah isn't getting any more dead, is my point. We could have waited half an hour. <laughs> okay. And done okay. this in private. Mm-hmm. We, had, we did kind of skip over the Mycroft thing. Mycroft, uh, it, his pacemaker goes off, he has a heart attack, mm-hmm. and he immediately thinks he's dying because Jehovah died, mm-hmm. and that he must have been adopted by a new god, and now mm-hmm. he's detonating like his universe, which, mm-hmm. to Mycroft's credit would be a troubling thought and was really unfortunate timing for him. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out that it's, it's the, the pacemaker going out because of the MP. Which we yes, don't... Which was a... Which, even in this thing, he, which he writes afterward, he spends like a full half page dwelling upon... Not even... A full two-thirds of the page dwelling on this philosophical idea on the fact that he's been adopted by a new god, now he's going to disappear, and Jehovah's Universe is going to disappear, and this is that horrible and terrible. I uh, think this was more traumatizing for him than murdering all of his friends and family. <laughs> and we do hear that he was somewhat traumatized by the murders. I guess he had mm-hmm. what other people would have called nightmares about them. So... <laughs> I hope we get more Saladin soon. Uh, I liked his attitude. <laughs> Uh, also, um, the censor, um, likes Mycroft. Um, he, he, he's, he's terrified by the thought of losing Mycroft. Um, unlike, we say, knew that. the Emperor, who fucking hates Mycroft. <laughs> yeah, we knew that the censor liked Mycroft. We, we found out they were, like, surprisingly close friends in our first chapter with the censor. Yeah. But we might like, even hear that, like... That the center's like, no, I, I treat, treat you both as the same. Um, I think I think this might be because the plan is for Mycroft to become the, the next anonymous. But um, we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they were clearly really close in To Like the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not super surprised about that. Uh, well, I'm, I'm setting this up for something we'll get to later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Set it up away. Great. Uh, so they re- they regrow Jehovah's Head. Um, mm-hmm. This is all kind of happening during Sniper's Escape. We mm-hmm. split them off, but in the in the text it goes. Uh, and then it we are led to believe that Jehovah continues to exist even when his physical body in this universe dies. And I did have some. I have some thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. The The first one is about Mycroft and how mm-hmm. weird it is what this does to Mycroft. Mm-hmm. So the last thing he does is, and it's actually super confusing. He tells us that he puts the sensor in a chokehold mm-hmm. where his left, his right elbow is on the sensor's throat and his left hand is by his nose. And I can't mm-hmm. make sense of what that means. But the thing he says is, I no longer need to worry about destroying a universe if I kill you, sort of mm-hmm. suggesting that that was what had been keeping him from killing people. Mm-hmm. And I'm mystified as to why Mycroft thought that was what he's been saying about killing people this whole time. <laughs> that just doesn't seem like it should matter to me. I don't know what he's getting at. You don't know why 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 it wouldn't why it would matter? I thought Mycroft was, it wasn't discovering that 
Jed was a god and that he had a universe and that Jed's death might mean the death of a universe that stopped Mycroft from doing killings last time. I don't know why this revelation is the thing that's encouraging him to do them again now. I don't think... So before, the thing that stopped Mycroft, that made Mycroft um, sad, or like made him changed, is that he realized he was uncertain about the world and much that he could like he he killed the best person uh, when he didn't have to the best mm-hmm. people when he didn't have to um but that doesn't mean that killing someone is necessarily so bad as killing the best person um or shouldn't be a part of someone's repertoire but especially in a world for example especially in a world where a... there's resurrection yeah, but he discussed, like, being afraid to step on an ant in case the ant was a resurrected Apollo. Like, this just, this is not coherent with the sudden turnaround based on this piece of evidence for Mycroft. I don't understand it. Not only would I have not predicted in advance that this information would make Mycroft willing to kill people again, mm-hmm. even now that I've been told it, I don't really understand why it's the case. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it is... Killing people now is a better plan, but I didn't think this was his objection to begin with, so I don't know why it's the thing that turned him around. Mm-hmm. And then also, the thing that the book kind of hints at later, um, it's it's not... I don't know why they're so confident that they should take Jehovah's word for this. <laughs> we'll see Jehovah's God. And God wouldn't lie to you, right? But is that what Bridger's potion does? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll also note, the reason why I set up the thing about earlier with the sensor is that, uh, the, the sensor, Demohitsi cares about Minecraft, uh, tries to help Minecraft, uh, comfort Minecraft, says, I, I value it, I want you to lose you again. And as soon as Minecraft can, like, stand up, he threatens to kill the sensor. Yeah, it's a little harsh. <laughs> Minecraft's been having a bad day. <laughs> I just like threatening to kill, like fucking puts him in a chokehold. Uh, and in response to the sensor saying, You need to go to a hospital, Mycroft. <laughs> yeah. He just had a massive heart attack. Well, look, Mycroft has stuff to do. I'm. I do like that he has a little bit of drive all of a sudden. <laughs> I've I have I have liked Mycroft more the more he's been actually going and taking steps to accomplish his goals, and he definitely <laughs> does that. Yeah. But um, no, no, it seems totally plausible to me that Mycroft that Bridger's potion just made a new person who mm-hmm. thinks that they are Jehovah. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the story and, of Sad Cats, specifically the story of Sad Cats. Yeah, it's. It's disappointing to me that the book points it out for us ten seconds later, because it makes it a lot harder for me to claim credit when it turns out this is what happened. (laughs) But, regardless, I promise it was in my notes before the sad cat thing happened. Um... And then, um, Bridger runs away again. Mycroft Mm -hmm. claims he knows where they are. Can we can we get into the tracker thing? Are we are we pretty much through this? Oh, I have I have a, I we we see Jehovah try to speak. Um, yes. Uh, so the actual speech is why tamdu me esparal nado to ashata dixesti, and I don't know. I tried. 
But this is a confusing sentence. Uh, what's worse is clearly different from the sentence that Jehovah translated as as later. Well, it... Some pieces are the same. Why and me, I recognize. Mm-hmm. So, so the Jehovah said, uh, in the, uh, only knows English, being raised by a heptilingual people in a house full of Spanish speakers. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that happened. Um, it has the it has the upside down question mark thing from Spanish. It mm-hmm. also has two. Sorry, people are people are talking loudly again. Um, it has two lesser than signals mm-hmm. and then two greater thans. So quotation marks, yeah, for French. But it's but there's also quotation marks in English. Um, English quotation marks. So I, I'm curious how Jehovah said those. I don't think Jehovah said those in the book. It's the way the way is distinguished between people speaking different languages by using the appropriate, um, uh, not diacritics, the grammatical markings for those. For example, when someone speaks French, they use the double. Uh, they use the French quotation marks, English English quotation marks, Spanish. If it's a question, they use the Spanish question marks and uh, Spanish exclamation marks. And for Japanese, they use the uh, Japanese, Japanese quotation marks, which are the first and last symbols in that sentence. Um, but Jehovah's using all of them at once. It does It does help him read as confusing. Uh, not only that, uh, it is it is also a confusing sentence. So first of all, I don't know the grammar of Jehovah's sentence because <laughs> I don't know these languages enough to, to put together if it's like a reasonable way to put... The seven different grammars together. Uh, I only know decently two of them, three of them, in a way that I can talk about the grammars. But like, fucking, there's another four. Okay, so this this sentence. Uh, this this is my 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 markup of the sentence. So why is English why? Tamdui is so long in Latin. Me is me. Uh, both English and Latin, but I think it's uh, English usage. Uh, esperar is wait, um, or wait or hope, uh, okay. which is a lot. Um, nado, uh, I don't know what nado. So it can mean two things, either Spanish or Japanese. Spanish is swim, Japanese is um, etc. I think etc. actually makes sense there. Okay, uh, and then two, I think it's an English two. Ashara is a Japanese word, uh, and Dixisti is also Japanese, is a, is a Latin word, and it turns out they both mean the same thing. <laughs> Literally the same parts of speech. Uh, they're both second person, they're both uh, pre- past indicative. Um, talk, you talking. Uh, so why did you, rough translation, why did you... Make me hope or wait so long. Hope, wait, etc. So long to talk to me. Or to talk. I don't know what to do with that. So, so, um... And that last bit is not in the translation. Like, the hope is not there. The, the talk to me is implied. But we don't know what the actual implication is. But apparently it's specifically the talk. As was repeated in two different languages. Yeah, so to o shata in Japanese is you said. Yeah. So I don't think it's to as in the English to. I think that this is a phrase. 
Oh, okay. So it's not. It is specifically. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that you doesn't... mistranslated that one word. Hmm. I think you mistranslated that 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 one set of words there. That that the two is in fact, I believe, part of the Osana phrase. Okay. Um. Okay, that's fair. Um. I don't know Japanese. Uh, Looks like it, it makes it second person. Yeah. No, I knew it was second. I knew that the Japanese verb was second person and past. Um, both dicticity is also second person and past indicative. I don't know why they're both literally the same parts of speech in two different languages. Um, they mean the same thing. Okay, let me check. Maybe they have different. Uh, I say, utter, declare, tell, appoint, call, etc. Um. Okay, so to us harder. I'm pretty sure it's to. I don't think. I don't think Japanese has an oo sound. Okay, to us harder. Uh, is to say, but honorific. Well, then maybe maybe we're literally looking at to say speech as opposed to communicate. But it's not an. Inf- but dexisty is not an infinitive. It's not an infinitive. In fact, it is also is it? it also translates as you said. All right, then I, I have no justification for this. We'll put it on the list of questions for the. Does author. Japanese have a subjunctive? Maybe they're both like different moods. Conjugation. I cannot read. Oh no, it has it here. Oshara, 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 oshara. Perfective is perfective. That's not helpful. That's just past tense. The way it's saying this makes me think that um, Japanese has a whole different way of doing grammar. Well, Japanese is 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 gross as a language. Yeah. Is it? I thought the um, language was fine, but the speech writing system, as I talked about before, was like it's not it's not great. Oh, I love the writing system. I'm actually a big fan of that. No, like I wish they just pick one and stick with it, but uh, nice, clean, consistent consonant vowel pairs i'm 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 very on board for no no like an abugida is not is is fine right a hiragana and katakana are fine um but you have a two of them and b you also have uh kanji yes let's let's leave this for the people who are willing to pay to hear us talk about it (laughs) if you're interested in the rest of that conversation uh it's on all of someone who actually learn Japanese also, opinions about this. We're we're two hours in, and 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 slowing down as we go. And I'd <laughs> like to try to get to the end of this now that there's a film soundtrack playing in the background of my audio. Yeah, um, I can hear them like it's. So Bridger runs away. Jehovah tells Mycroft to go find Bridger. Then we get to the tracker. Mm-hmm. This tracker thing, I don't. <laughs> I don't... I'm so upset. I... Not only did I get real close when I was talking about the ear thing being how Mycroft was slipping off his tracker, and Mm -hmm. that turned out to be true, uh, Mm -hmm. but also people can just take off trackers. I don't know why the ear is an important element of it. And... We knew they could take off trackers. They told us they could just... They tell us that you can just pop trackers off whenever you feel like. Like, why is the ear thing important when you can just whoop, took off a tracker because you can the pacemaker okay sorry we'll we'll get through this section first okay. what about go on then you can wear two of them at once and they it fits in the right place 
why is that? What, how, explain. <laughs> I think it has to touch a certain part of your ear in order to like, get all the right information. Uh, and if you wear two of them um, on the same ear or whatever, then you cut a notch in your ear so you can slip it in the right place. So it can also touch the same place, even though it's farther along the ear. That's what I. That's, but then, that's my theory. That doesn't make much sense, though. What? Because there's still going to be another tracker there if it needs to touch some specific place in your ear. Well, I think it can. The range of the place it can touch is is, is fairly broad, but like it has to actually get in. It might not be may not be long enough to reach there. What on earth? Have we heard anything about the dimensions of trackers? Is there official stuff on what a tracker looks like? Not to my knowledge. I don't... This is a new version of being disappointed by the answer to a question for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because what happened is, I actually guessed pretty much correctly during To Like the Lightning. (laughs) And then I got new information that pivoted me away from the correct guess. And you know what? Fair enough there. Sometimes. (laughs) But step three is that they've told me, actually... Uh, fun update. No, no, you need the notch to slip it off. A thing people do regularly in this series, comfortably with no ill effects. Um, and and not only can I not just go back to my original theory, I now don't understand how the true theory could possibly make any sense. Um, What magic part of your ear might it need to touch? Your ear just has cartilage. Maybe it's an earring. Then why does a chunk out of your ear help? Because then they need they need to continuously slip it on from Mycroft's ear to their ear. But it's a notch. Yes. So it's not a hole. Yes. So how to explain your point then? So like you know how to take off an earring, you need to take it apart, right? Okay. With some kinds of earrings. Uh, yeah. And you you want to, to to get the tackle from Mycroft's ear to your ear, so you Without taking it off, because then it, it would register that the tackle was taken off. So you put your ear next to Minecraft's ear, you slip it through the notch, and then you fiddle with it in order to, like, get it off. Oh, so you, like, line up your ears notch yeah. to notch. Yes. But how does that, if it's like an earring, how does that, that would only make sense if it was like a, a slide, a sliding clip. And even if it was a sliding clip, I don't think you would need that... Because you have an earlobe that you could play the same thing with, with no notch required to make you identifiable. Well, if you, want, you want to make sure that there's always a heartbeat, right? I... Uh, let me Google the anatomy of the ear real quick. Real, just going back to our roots, hardcore discussion of um, language, grammar, and uh, anatomy. Ear anatomy. Okay. I think the earlobe should... You should be able to detect a heartbeat on the earlobe if you can detect mm-hmm. it on the rest of the ear. Okay. The, uh, yeah. the pinna. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is going on my... This is going on my list. Hang on. I'm adding it right <laughs> now. Okay. Explain trackers. Mycroft? Okay. Uh, we also learned about this... We also learn about the pacemaker. Mm-hmm. And this this also 
seems <laughs> dumb and weird to me. So he has a pacemaker, right? Mm-hmm. And the story they want us to buy into is that, oh, he can he can hack the pacemaker to mm-hmm. make his heartbeat match the heartbeat of someone else and then slip it off between heartbeats. And this feels accomplishable with no equipment uh, by just sitting calmly for two minutes and taking your own pulse. So... What? I, yeah, you like you can tell when your heart is beating, right? Um, you, you so can't, just you have to match it to someone else's. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I I need to sit down with someone. Mm-hmm. I need to take their pulse, mm-hmm. and I just wait until they're pretty close, and then during a gap, slip it over. I feel like this would it's, take. It's not that you need the same heart rate. It's you need the same heart wave. You well, but it, it's not a continuous process, right? The heartbeat. No, but it's like, it's 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 a it's a wave. Like there's on off on off on off, and your on offs need to match up, not just the average rate at which the off ons occur. Yes, well, but but only needs to, you only need to make the transition during an inactive phase of the heartbeat, which there's like those totally happen. You, th- you this seems like magic. I don't believe you. <laughs> I want you to do this. So when your heart beats, right, you've got, uh, do I remember, do I remember the way that the, the heartbeat works? As far as I recall, you, there's two contraction phases. Yeah. So there's the, the intake contraction and then the expulsion contraction, and then Mm -hmm. there's nothing. Mm -hmm. And then there's intake contraction. And that's where you get that, like the dotted line in your medical dramas, right? Um, so anytime that you're in, so like if you were taking your pulse, you've got your your pulse di- uh, systolic and diatol diatolic pressure, right? Those, no. Your oh, your your fraction where you have your, mm-hmm. your up and your down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think. No. What's I don't the know. word? What am I looking for? I've heard the word solve before. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm just pretty sure about this. Like when you go to the, you sit in the heart pressure machine. You have your your systolic and your I think dia, diatolic, diastolic, whatever. Um, and one of them is your blood pressure when the heart isn't beating, mm-hmm. and that happens a lot. So you just sit down, you wait until your non-beating times line up, right? So you've got I'm gonna I'm gonna tap on the microphone, and which may be really effective or may be terrible. We're gonna have mm-hmm. to find out in the edit. So mm-hmm. if I have two things going. All right, I've got two, and up. Oh, they're they're not they're not lined up very well. I'm talking over this too to make it worse for you. And then anytime they kind of line Thanks. up, up, oh, and now they're kind of similar. You just need to get it in in a gap. Just while neither of your hearts are pulsing, flip it over. Problem solved. No pacemaker needed. The pacemaker is maybe more convenient, but everyone else should be able to do this. Everybody, no no problems. Use your earlobe. And use your ability to take a pulse and problem it, and you're done. You've slipped a tracker. I don't, this is I don't so much more you. annoying to me than the death of Jehovah Mason. Um, I don't believe that you can do this. It's It sounds really easy. It sounds like... I think you just... I think getting it Have off you ever been... Again. Do you drive? Do you drive a car? No. Okay, have you ever been in a car? Yes. Have you ever been stopped with your turn signal on, waiting to take a turn? Yeah, I know that they come into sync, come out of sync. 
Yeah, just wait for that. I just don't think you're going to be precise enough, I think. What's a typical preci- hyperbeats? Uh, it depends, like 70? It depends on yeah. how good shape you're So you have in. to have under a second precision in order to get this thing off and on you. You just don't. <laughs> oh, under a second. Under yes. a second. Yes. Um, yeah, two people can... You could... Two healthy people could sit down and do relaxation <laughs> strategies and get their heart rate down to, like, one a second. I just don't I love, think... I, I love the, um, the first you and then a pause and then a healthy people. I'm just being realistic. Uh, you could sit and relax and get your heartbeat down to, like, 60 beats per minute, right? But I don't know. how long does it take to slide something an inch and a half when you're waiting to do it. Not that long. Not that long. I also think that um, Minecraft has to do this in, like, very small time zones, frames. Like, there's a a point at which Minecraft and Silent meet in, like, the couple-minute walk from one center to another one, and that's, like, I think the time range for this. These things, these switchovers to occur. I don't see why that's true. Mycroft didn't slip his tracker for the Saladin thing. Mycroft can get five minutes alone with someone, no problem. That that's just that's the true. world that this takes place in, frankly. The servicers are described as routinely just wandering the earth, waiting for things to do. And the servicers are tracked um, while they do that, <sighs> and like relatively watched, like not. Minecraft, because Minecraft has, like, a series of deals with, like, Thisbee and stuff. Um, but typically, I think they'd watch by the people who are around them. And the people who hired them for the jobs. What if they're not doing a job? Then they're watched by in the in the compounds they have. Look, maybe this makes sense when you learn new information later. But right now, <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm opposed. I think this is... This is a terrible reveal, and I don't like it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Oh, he needed to rewire his pacemaker. God damn it. Anyway, so Papadelius <laughs> figures it out, and that's fun. I'm glad that he got to have a, have a discovery. And then Mycroft gets up. He's given his task to find Bridger, and he um, is a- assaulted by Voltaire, who mm-hmm. gives him a sleeping pill or something. Yes. And that's, that's where we are. Um, I mean, assaulted. I think he also tri- threatened to kill... Uh, uh, the censor. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't try to kill the censor. He just he threatened to. Threatened, yeah, he threatened to kill the censor. There's a difference. I if did, Mycroft I said that. If was trying to kill the censor, the censor would have died. That's true. The censor is clearly not that hard to kill. <laughs> he literally is a guy who sits around doing math in an office all day. It's like... He is also an Olympian, but he's Olympian in debate and math. Oh, man. That'd be a fun version of the Olympics. Actually, we should be careful to say that. Uh, I know people are really invested in math. So, wait, do you have what? your notes? Covered? I'm invested. Like, what, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Did you get through your notes? I did, but I want to go over the... Um, okay, great. Careful to say what? Um, I, I think we should be careful to not sportify math, uh, because people are already kind of weird enough about it. People are weird about it, but they're already an international math Olympiad. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly what I'm thinking of when I say we should probably avoid sportifying math. 
<laughs> you don't like the International Math Olympiad? It, I don't have a problem with it necessarily, mm-hmm. um, but conceptually, I do think it's a little weird. Do you have strong feelings about the International Math Olympiad? Do I? I think it's good that it exists, and I think it, pro- it would be great if it was actual part of the Olympics. Um, I also think people are weird about math in ways that uh, contribute negatively to their ability to do math. I okay, hang on. Happen. You think it would be good if it was part of the actual Olympics? I was trying to lead you into a totally different argument that we could end on, but I've got to oh. got to focus in on that one. Um, okay, that math is should not be an Olympic sport. I'm sorry, that would be like making chess an Olympic sport. Just the Olympics Olympic are sport. just uh, no. The the Olympics are about a different thing than math and chess. Um, art used to be an Olympic sport. And then they got wise and took it away. It was the right call. It was the wrong call. It was not the wrong call. What's the... (laughs) It's okay for people who are nerdy to not be in the Olympics. That's fine. True. Um, But I think the Olympics are supposed to demonstrate... human can achieve in various fields and we should include more fields like art and mathematics uh but but how do you not see the difference between art and mathematics and ski jumping like if you look at the things that are in the